What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to the season preview episode of the Mets Up Podcast. We are super excited. Real baseball is being played this Thursday against the Miami Marlins in Florida, which is something that I've said, I think, like 10 times now throughout spring training. But we're keeping it on brand, on point, to talk about the Mets. We're going to preview everything with this team from decisions of guys being sent up and down, who's going to be at every position, the bullpen, the starting rotation, and we're also going to give you a season preview of the opening day series against the Marlins. So we hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you stick around. Give it a listen. Remember, if you do enjoy what you see, follow us on all our social media, at MetsUp on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, Subscribe to the Mets YouTube channel if you want to see the video version of this. I did see some people asking. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. James, it's the first episode in a while back at City Field. How are we feeling? Yeah, very long time. Also, new location. We're on site at the Caesars Club, if you guys can see. Now, as we go through the year, we're going to be recording in many different locations, as you guys noticed last year. So, just another, another, another little notch in the belt for us. Yeah, of course. So we're going we're gonna to mark them all off by the end of the 2023 season, hopefully. I feel like to start this episode... We have to talk about the big decision that was made, which was sending Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos down to Triple A. This is a decision that is, I guess we could say, caused outrage maybe among yeah. some Mets fans. Hoopla. Uh, yeah, hoopla. I think hoopla is a much better word. People weren't happy, especially with seeing guys like Jordan Walker and Anthony Volpe get called up. Oscar Colas as well with the uh, Chicago White Sox. I don't know. What, what do you feel about the decision about Beatty and Vientos starting the year down? I think this was kind of a broader conversation because when this happened a couple of days ago, the final roster spot had not really come into come into view yet. And I guess technically when we're recording, we don't know the official final spots. We've seen some moves that happened. We know made. the final position player spot, and yeah. it will go to Tim LaCastro. And I think there was a lot of outrage because one player who has now been DFA'd by the Mets, Darren Ruff, kind of became this image, this scapegoat for a lot of Mets fans for yeah. the way the second half went last year, the trade deadline the way the season ended itself, just the fact that there was a player brought in to hit who wasn't hitting. 100%. So I think the fact that the Mets saw two guys in spring training who for a while hit very well, who have a lot of potential, who've been championed by by us, yeah. by the organization, by everybody, by prospect junkies, seeing them go down for players who they thought were lesser to stay up, I think that did make a lot of people upset when it did happen that moment. 100%. I think if the rough DFA had been announced before, I think people would still be upset because everyone, it's, it comes from a good spot, I feel like, if everybody likes Brett Beatty yeah. and Mark Vientos and wants to see these young players play because they think they're very capable and very good, I think it probably would have calmed it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think people would still be upset. And to be fair, I mean, I really wanted to see Beatty on this roster. Vientos, I th- still think, needs a little bit more seasoning. But a guy like Brett Beatty, I know towards the end of spring, he kind of slowed down a little bit, but... The way he started spring, the way he came out of camp, I mean, the dude was blazing hot. We've seen him play already at the major league level. He's just a professional hitter, super, super good. His time will come. It's just the Mets are saying, not not yet. Yeah, and I think that is part of it, too. Like, we have the exposure to Brett Beatty. Brett Beatty was a first-round pick. Like, yeah. And this conversation, I think, is more about Brett Beatty than Mark Vientos. Definitely. Beatty got the call over Vientos last year. Beatty has some better numbers, some better pedigree from the minor league. So I think this was the conversation. Beatty's also a much more... I'd say Bay is probably better third baseman overall, too, and that's the place yeah. where it seemed like there could be a fit. But spring training for prospects is about forcing hands. And while Bay, the Envientos, came out blazing hot in the spring, we did see each of them, especially Bay, like tail off a little bit as the weeks kept rolling on. Brett Bay was two for his last 17 yeah. in spring training. Brett Bay's ground ball problem came back a little bit in the last couple weeks of spring training. It's, and Brett Bailey came up last year. He had that home run at first, and he kind of really tailed off. He struggled a lot against Major League Pitching. He was hitting the ball on the ground a lot. These are the things that are like the nitpicky problems for a top prospect trying to make that one last jump. And everyone will tell you that the biggest jump in all 
all sports is getting from the minor leagues to the major leagues. 100%. It's crazy. You're going to see much more velocity. You're going to see a better curveball your first day in the major leagues than you've ever seen in the minor leagues. Yes. Unless you saw one freak pitcher, one stop here or another. So I don't really think it's that crazy, especially when you look at the last couple weeks of Red Bathing and you saw of all the games the Mets played in front of cameras, he only had two hard hit balls. Yeah. After hitting the cover off the ball for the first three weeks of camp. So it's not that crazy when you really look at this from the whole purview. A lot of Mets fans kind of like stuck to this narrative that they held on from last week of February, first week of March, and now are very upset just because, you know, we're getting into the season. You got, we got to be upset about something. 100%. I mean, yeah. th- listen, we're Mets fans too. We know that. We're still going to be upset about a ton of things throughout the year. That's just how baseball goes, especially as a Mets fan. But I think initial reaction, understandable. Yeah. I think from the outside perspective, like you said, when you think about it more, you see the numbers, you, s- you can start to see the reason behind it. And one thing you told me too was about first-round picks out of high school who have played third base, the amount of innings that they have in the minor leagues before they made it to the majors. So what Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado, just to name a couple guys, his numbers aren't even necessarily, I don't want to say aren't close, but he's he's catching up to those guys. It was close, but Brett Bailey had played less games in the minor leagues as a player who was signed out of high school compared to a lot of our top prospects. I'm pulling up right here. I sent it to you last night, and I said, let's not not send any more DMs to each other right now because I want this handy for the episode. Yes, it will be towards the top of our DMs right now. And this is the exact reason. The last thing was an Ethan Salas. Oh, that was just sending that to you. So this is also a quote from Billy Epler saying, like, why Brett Bailey is going to be in the minor leagues rather than the major leagues. And he said, you look back a little bit players like Nolan Arenado. Nolan was a high school draft pick just like Brett. And he played over 400 games at third base in the minors. Rafael Devers, 310. Austin Riley, 430. Just continuing to get tested. Different game situations. Learning the speed. Learning when to give ground, when to take ground. Just being put in different types of situations, circumstances, different types of situations. And I like that he said the speed too because I think that's something that gets underappreciated is the difference in speed as well from the AAA game to the Major League game. That's why you see some of these prospects who just crush the AAA level or dominate at whatever at double a it is that there is an adjustment period and for a guy like brett Beatty who has played a triple a but doesn't have that much experience there he had a lot of you know good experience last year at their base but you could see sometimes the game moved a little bit quick so i think this is an acclimation period as well as the fact that like it's not a necessity just yet to have him here. Yeah, and those like microseconds when you're handling a ball at third base, transferring into your hand and throwing it to first, that is a lot of times the major leagues difference between a 100%. hit and an out. And the minor leagues, maybe not as much because maybe the players aren't hitting as hard, so it's much easier to get in a more favorable part of your glove. Transfer's more calm. Maybe the player's not as good of an athlete besides for the very few minor leaguers that come through. You think of like the top prospects who are the freak athletes, but that's not really going to be the run of the mill in the minor league. So you do have that extra split second to gather yourself and make a throw. Major league, fast, go, go, fast game. And every single microsecond matters. I'll be honest. When the decision came out, I was like, oh, I, I don't like this. I want him here. We also thought that Darren Ruff was going to be on the major league roster opening day. That spot didn't necessarily make as much sense to give to him as a guy like Brett Beatty, in my opinion, at least. Now that we know Darren Ruff got DFA'd, I feel a little bit calmer, I would say, about this entire thing. And I, I can see the vision. I, I don't think there's much else that we can really talk about here with this because you're either on one side of the coin or the other. You either think that he should be here right now playing third base every single day or at least making the open day roster or, you, or you're okay with the decision. I think right now I'm okay with it, but I'm, I want him up soon because I think he's close. Yeah. And when we played roster bingo a few weeks ago and we looked at who was going to be on this bench, every team when you're going to look at the rosters, what prospects are going to make opening day rosters, you have to build a bench. Yes. That's part of it. And you saw the way the bench was lining up. Guillermo is the backup infielder. Tommy Pham is the fourth outfielder. Tomas Neo is the backup catcher. Most major league benches now only have four guys. Yep. So that leaves one spot. You have Brett Beatty who... While he was really good at the beginning of spring, tailed off at the end and has options. Mark Viento had options. And you were looking at two players, Tim LaCastro and Darren Ruff. Mm-hmm. Those were guys where 
they didn't have options. If you were to lose them, you would lose them forever. So that's why I think a little bit of this is game theory as well. 100%. And we did end up taking LeCastro, who showed out in the spring. Yeah. And he adds an element spring. that no one else in this roster really has, which is crazy speed and that very high-level outfield defense. And we saw how valuable that could be to the Mets last year when we had guys like Travis Jankowski hanging around. We had Terrence Gore for a bit, just literally pinch running. I mean, those guys have value, and especially when you do have a guy like Vogelback, who's going to get on the bases at some point late in the game, you can pinch run him out, you can get one of these guys in, and then you can fill that spot with whoever is that other bench bat. And the bottom line is that if Bailey was going to make this roster right now over Tim LaCastro, you've just lost Tim LaCastro. He's gone. And Tim LaCastro is not going to make it through waivers. Someone's picking so him up. So you had Tim LaCastro, you just championed him all spring. He played great. You showed he's worth it on a major league roster, and then yeah. you just dump him. Yeah. The Jets, Don't fam- want him the Jets famously did this with Danny Woodhead and, and yes. the hard knocks. They just pumped his, pumped his uh, tires for months on end, and that was it. It wasn't James Conner. What was the other guy's name, too? The, the running back that they had that was like big hard knocks guy. Sean Green, I don't know. Danny Woodhead was the one. And then the Patriots signed immediately. Now he's had he had an amazing NFL career. So then you Terminator. At, what was his name? The Terminator. Oh, remember what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, you're talking about. But I don't remember. It's bad, bad podcasting by the book. John, John Connor. Connor. That yeah, was that it. was a good podcasting. Yes. Now. So then you would have lost Tim LaCastro and for nothing. For nothing. So now you have Tim LaCastro on the roster. Brett Beatty has stuff to work on, and he has the option anyway. Brett Beatty will be ready to play in the major league sooner rather than later, probably 100%. as long as he does what he has to do. Baseball players get hurt all the time. Suddenly. Brett Beatty comes on the team because someone have an IL stint, you still have Tim LaCastro. Yes. Now that we have Tim LaCastro, we can keep Tim LaCastro as long as Tim LaCastro is playing well enough to be kept. Yeah, and we're not going to say we're coveting Tim LaCastro like no, he's the next MVP, for sure, but, but the we, idea is there is that, value there. Yeah, everybody's playing the game. We're all playing the same game. Options are the name of it. I mean, you're going to see in the bullpen, too, we don't know what the final guys are that are making it or not, but we saw Tyler McGill got sent down to AAA. Yes. One of the reasons, he has options. Yes. A guy like Tommy Hunter doesn't get sent down. One, he had a great spring, but two, he doesn't get sent down because when you, if you send Tommy Hunter down, he's gone. Another guy who has no options left. Same with the difference between Steven Nagosik and my boy Jeff Brigham. Jeff Brigham has options. Steven yes. Nagosik, no options. And we still don't know the decision necessarily on Steven Nagosik whether or not he is making the roster, I believe. I think that one is still up in yeah, the air yeah, at the still, time of recording. Still in, still in. But basically, this con- the way this, these end-of-camp roster crunches go is based on options. Because once you send the guy down with no options, you're basically just giving a player up for free yes giving a player up for free is kind of like anything else in life like this these, these like that's an asset like mm-hmm. i don't want to give a player for free that player is production that player's skill that player someone have in the locker room like that's a job like i don't want to give this up without getting anything in return it's like i wouldn't like it's any any trade you make in life 100 percent. and i think what's really a better conversation to have about this mets roster right now is the fact that we're talking about like the last few spots being very important and guys that we need on this team, something that in previous years we haven't been able to talk about because the depth has just kind of been, these are the guys. There's no real questions of who it's going to be. It's, we don't have enough of this. And right now we have a plethora of talent to figure out who these last few guys on a roster spot are going to be. And when you go through this team, I mean, at every position, you pretty much have a couple dudes that you can plug and play, or at least if someone has to take a day off, has an IL stint, like you said, can fill in and you don't feel too bad. I mean, even at the catcher spot, we're going to be running a platoon Pretty much, it seems like all season long between Narvaez and Tomas Nito, health included, you get good defense. They're going to be hitting ninth, a lot of sack bunts, but you're going to get good defense, good good arms behind the plate. That's exactly what we want from that catcher position. And just being able to manage a pitching staff is going to be even more important than what these guys are going to be doing. Because we've seen kind of the lineups coming out these last couple yeah. of the games of spring training. We have a pretty good idea of what it's going to look like on opening day. It looks like catcher will be the nine hole. Yes. Which is kind of fine because these guys don't really strike out and they're going to get some timely hits. And it's not going you know, to be great. But a guy like Tomas Nito, he has three home runs in the spring. He has three home runs all of last season. Yeah, like that's, that's take a positive there. Maybe he's lifting the ball more. Maybe he's pulling it more. Like maybe there's a way to get Tomas Nito to get a little more offensive production. Omar Navaez only a couple years ago had incredible offensive season behind the plate. The rare left-handed hitting catcher there that just like doesn't exist in baseball. I think it's like, again, 
the catching position, we know what it is. I think you just got to go into it this season knowing that they're going to be defense first and whatever we get out of them offensively is an extra bonus. And what's great is that the rest of this lineup is absolutely loaded. I mean, we have Pete Alonso at first base. Dude's had MVP seasons ever since he's come up. He's just simply one of the better hitters in baseball right now. I know he had like the weird Team USA thing where he didn't necessarily play that much, started off a little bit cold, maybe a little, you know, first time playing in the World Baseball Classic, but he ended well, and he's been crushing spring training. He looks poised to have a massive year. And we also know that Pete is a player who, like, wears the emotions on the sleeves. So an event like the World Baseball Classic where there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of energy, it's very easy to kind of try to do too much and go outside of yourself. 100%. And that's okay, because... They, they did what he had to do. We got this hits in the big games and it mattered. And now he's back. He's back home. He's ready to be comfortable again. Yep. And I don't think people even understand, realize, like, how good of a season P. Alonso had last so year. So good. Before the home runs and 131 RBIs yep. led all of baseball. Same amount of RBIs, a guy who had 62 home runs, <laughs> yeah. which is a little bit ridiculous to think about. 22 more home runs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 22 more home runs, the same amount of RBIs. And that's going to be a factor, function of this batting order. Pete hitting fourth behind all these guys who are getting on base literally at will. We're gonna, it's going to be potentially multiple guys with 400% at. 400, 400, 400 yeah. 350. A couple 350 on base guys in front of Pete Alonso. It's it's really good shot to knock in runs. Well, a 400 guy that could be maybe this year, Brandon Nimmo leading off. Shout out to Brandon Nimmo. They were recording. Happy birthday, Brandon Nimmo. Uh, I mean, at the top of the order, you love that. We started to see him play towards the end of spring training again as well after having that scary shakeup with the slide. So happy to see Nimmo's healthy from what it looks like. He's playing. Excited for him to be out there every single day in center field, giving us premier or premium defense. Great on-base percentage and showing a little pop as well. You have Marte, you have Lindor. Like the top of this order, even even if they go with Marte too, I don't necessarily know what it the seems lineups. like. They've been doing that in the spring. Seems okay. like in a rock will work last year. Like that's just that's a run-scoring environment right there. Like you said, all guys that get on base, all guys that put the ball in play, not a lot of strikeouts. All things you love to see. And that number three spot with Francisco Lindor. I mean, could you have asked for like a better spring from that guy? No, Francisco Lindor. We said this. We say this just every single episode right now. And I'm like, going to keep saying. Yeah, he looks like just generationally locked in right now. So this good. is this is the Carlos Beltran trajectory. Carlos Beltran, friend of the pro- podcast, friend of, course, of the program, yeah. member of the organization. These two seem to be very well connected. They seem to talk very often. Seem to be sharing experiences, thoughts, ideas. He is. This just kind of feels like what was going on with Beltran right before the 2007 season where he had one of the best seasons in all baseball, best season of his entire career. Yes. Just every single play is locked in. He had some of the most hard-hit balls in all spring training. He wasn't there for three weeks. No, he was playing with Team Puerto yeah. Rico out in Miami. Barrels, too. It's just like both sides of the plate swing is working. We're in City Field right now. It looks like that uh, that fence in right field looks different. Yeah. That's the most I can say about it. But Probably going to help him out a little looks bit. Looks a little different, so maybe that could help a guy like Francisco Lindor get from 26 home runs back to the 35 where he was back Which in is Cleveland like for a while. the fake number that everyone who like wants to doubt him is like, oh, he can't hit 30 home runs. He didn't hit 30 home runs this year. He's like, he plays in City Field, Dean. I don't understand. Also, for, for all the old school junkies, he hit like 270 last yeah. year. People really seem to forget that. He's also a phenomenal shortstop defensively. Like, like one top of 15 off hits in all baseball. I think he's yeah. actually eight. We were looking at it last night. Yeah, we were like looking that. at it. Like He's just an all-around absolute stud. He is the franchise player. He's the franchise shortstop. There's a reason he got that big contract. And if you're a Mets fan, you should be feeling amazing with him coming into the season, especially because the shift is, in theory, gone. We know yes. that there's still going to be some shifting going on in the makeshift way. Did you see the gamesmanship? Lindor was playing with the shift yesterday. Well, as recording, I think it was on Sunday. Yeah, it was pretty sick. Yeah, he. so for the fans at home, basically the Tampa Bay Rays, as we know, like to push the limits of all rules and all 
thing, all ways to get edges in baseball. So it seemed like they were just not listening to the shift rule. Yeah. Like they had their shortstop directly over the second base bag, like with a foot on the other side, playing straight up up the middle, which is technically not allowed anymore. And as this was happening, Francisco Lindor pointed it out, and he stood in the exact same spot. The next I like inning. it. Yeah. I like it. Might not even been a plan for the Mets at all. Just him basically showing that someone's going to cheat. We're going to cheat as well. Listen, I respect that. I respect the gamesmanship, like he said, and I think his defense without the shift is going to be even more valuable this year because he's got such good range. And we've also heard about him being super excited to show that yes. off again, just being like, "I'm excited." To make plays everywhere again. hundred percent. And he's got some of the best range of baseball, so happy we have that on our some side. Some other guys in the lineup we didn't get to mention. Mark Hanna, dude just gets on base. It's his job. He's going to get hit by 35 pitches again this year, whatever it is. Multiple in spring. Mark Hanna's boring, we know it, but boy does he get on base. He has plays good defense, going to hit you a couple home runs. He just does the little things that this team kind of needs sort of the bottom of the order. Same thing with a guy like Eduardo Escobar, cultivator of vibes. His right-handed swing, absolutely love it. I'd love to see him only swing right-handed <laughs> if it was possible. But he's, just, he's smacking the ball around as always and when he's hot he is scalding hot we saw what he did towards the end of the year last year he really did help us out in that last month it is kind of funny to think about Escobar like that and we said this ad nauseum last year when people were kind of un- un- not used to the Eduardo Escobar experience yes, yeah. being just people who watch all of baseball Eddie Escobar bombs fancy baseball player you know that when Eduardo Escobar hits it he hits it when he's not he just won't. Yeah. So just understanding that the Eduardo Escobar path to a 105 WRC plus is not linear. You're not just hanging out at the one spot the whole no. year. You go up and you go down. Peaks you and go valleys. up and you go down. Yeah. I, and I kind of like that more as a guy who's going to have one month as an electric 170 WRC plus hitter, one of the best hitters in the whole sport. And then six weeks, not really going to do much. It's all right. That's okay. Take that time off, relax, recede, and then come back powerful because that is going to be trying to just look at this Mets roster right now. Like, where are going to be the, the points of, like, people are going to talk about, people are going to think about. Their base is one of them. Yes, 100%. I mean, we talked about Beatty for the first 10 minutes on the podcast, yeah. so I think everybody knows that. Another one that people pr- like to talk about, too, is Vogie. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is Vogie's a dog. The dude absolutely mashes, especially against right-handed pitching. I don't understand the the negativity necessarily around him sometimes from some Mets fans, not all. I think a lot of people who are baseball fans understand that the dude is elite against right-handed pitching. Yeah. He's like got like the top 10 WRC plus against righties since 2019 among all major league hitters. I mean, I'm talking like Mookie Betsy had a better WRC plus than like some of the best hitters in baseball against righties going to crush against lefties. We still have to figure that out a little bit, maybe an improvement, but at DH, there's not there's not really many better options the Mets could have had. And a lot of that is fueled by just his incredible eye. Like, there's yes. so few people in baseball who just are as selective as Daniel Volgaback at the plate. Like, he will not expand the strike zone. He will not swing at pitches he can't hit. So he just he likes to make pitches, pitchers work anyway. We yeah. should know how valuable that is in a baseball season over the course of 162 and even the three-game series, just getting to the sixth, seventh, eighth guys in teams' bullpen by Sunday. And Vogelback does that well. And I do think now with Darren Ruff news that – his platoon mate at designated hitter is now officially Tommy Pham. Probably, yeah. So Tommy Pham showed them something in the spring. Batting average wasn't that good, but he was hitting the ball hard. Hits the ball hard. And that, that, is, that is how you hit well. Like You keep hitting the ball hard, think good things are going to happen. And we know that Tommy Pham's only a few years removed from having a very good season. He's a guy who, again, still hits the ball hard. He's still physically, he's still physically pretty good. And this is going to be a situation where now almost pre- pretty much against every single lefty, he is going to be in the lineup. Oh, without a doubt. And, I, I think so. And that's going to be a situation also because he's still a fine fielder in the corner outfield. So we're going to have a little probably rotation. Get Canada some DH reps. Get Marte some DH reps. See Alonzo some DH reps. Give him a day off. The dude plays 160 every year. San Francisco Lindor, probably he just doesn't like taking days off. But yeah. maybe it'd be nice to take one or two, of course, this no season. No days <laughs> off. Bill Belichick, the GOAT. 
Jeff McNeil got a couple days to itch. Get Guillaume out there at second base. Get Guillaume over there at third base. Yeah. Like we have a lot of maneuvering with this roster that we have the ability to do now. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. I think the offense, it was one of the best offenses in baseball last year. I expect nothing less than uh, being an elite offense again. Uh, the, the lineup's just fantastic. And then on the pitching side, which and this is really where we start to get into the, yeah, the did, deep did stuff ready? here. Yeah, You guys know we love to talk pitching here, especially James. I mean, a rotation of Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, David Peterson, Kodai Senga, Carlos Carrasco. It's pretty good one through five, and that came with an injury too, and it still looks great, which goes back again to our just what we like to bang the drum on all year long. Depth, 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 and the Mets got it. It is amazing with this five, like how it actually looks on paper. Looks great. Season. Like, as far as like a one through five rating, like it's kind of hard to look at a team baseball and say, oh, yeah, that team is better than this one, really. Yeah. Like the Yankees were probably the closest team, and they had like three guys go down with injury <laughs> yeah. recently. So it's like, and, and like McGill's in the minors waiting, stretching out. Definitely, that's probably why he's down there, is just to stretch out and get more innings underneath his belt. And not even stretch out, just like maintain his star's workload. Like yeah. the Mets clearly made a decision. I'm sure a lot of that did have to do also with the Jose Quintana injury. That sure. Like, we need you to start their depth right now. Yes. Perhaps there's a situation later in the season, postseason, where maybe he is more valuable as a reliever. That's possible. But right now, he it seems like he is the sixth starter. 100%. And we all know, based on how last season went, how important your sixth starter is in any baseball team. You look around. Your seventh starter is important. Your seventh <laughs> starter is incredibly important. Your eighth starter is pretty important. Like you look around division right now talking about six starters uh, who's the Philly six stars what Christopher Sanchez yeah I think the only six starter I might be able to name is on the Marlins yeah. I think I, that might be the only six <laughs> probably, starter I can probably name. Braxton Garrett or Trevor Rogers we're yes. gonna get some Marlins series preview in a second as we start to get ready for the you know the regular season cadence of the show wait. but we're even looking at the Atlanta Braves our direct rival the team's gonna be our highest competition for the division they're rolling two rookies out in their opening day rotation yeah. in their five between Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster. You know who the Phillies five is right now? I think I saw on Fangraph is Michael Plasmeyer. I, I legitimately don't know I, who that guy is. That's a great player. Really falters the four. Yeah, like <laughs> they lost Kyle Gibson. Huge loss. Yeah, it was a huge loss for <laughs> them. Innings. Like the Mets really do have such a good starting rotation. It starts with the big names up top and Verlander and Scherzer. We of don't course, need to tell yeah. you about them. You know how good they are. Scherzer looked sick in his last start. Kodai Sang is obviously like kind of the question mark, but not for necessarily bad reasons. It's just he's a little bit unknown. Yeah. But from what we've seen, the stuff is there for sure. And I'm really excited to see him like actually pitching meaningful games. The stuff is super there, but I also do want Mets fans have to get ready for, for this. Sure. This is going to be a major learning curve for Kodai Sang. Japan uses a different ball. It's smaller. They're mounted.
mounds a different height. They pitch on different days of rest. Like, this is all going to be very different. Yeah. Also, Japanese hitters aren't as useful of a lot. He's major league hitters. Yes. So how he was able to get away with certain things with his fastball in Japan probably will not be happening in America. So I think this first, like, six, seven starts of Kodai Sanger, we're going to see very high highs and very low lows. We're going to see maybe some games where his control is not there. We're going to see maybe some games where it's perfect. Command isn't something that's really sticky start to start, even week to week, month to month. So that's something that's going to be a little more variable for Kodai Sanger. And I do want to caution Mets fans. Give him, give him rope. He's gonna be. He's learning a new language, learning a new culture. He's a new place. Living in a new country. Yeah, new ball, new mound, new days of rest. No family, like no, yes. seemingly around. Like it's it's gonna be tough. He's here for the long haul. We yeah, have five years of Kodai Senga. Year one, if he's awesome, that'd be real. That'd be. I mean, even better. Just amazing. But we we take things slow with the Kodai Senga. We're not putting all this pressure on him from the start. I don't think the Mets are either. No. I think they're going to be very smart about it. Just just keep an eye on everything with a grain of salt. Literally every single thing that he does is here with a grain of salt. Yes. Although you'll probably hear us at some point after he throws like seven and strikes out 12 where I'm like, this dude is the best pitcher in <laughs> baseball. What are we talking about? The, the upside is there. But it's just this is going to be a situation where... I, like it's just there's gonna be high highs and low lows for sure. So just everyone be ready for that. He's gonna be a very very it's a lot of variance. Yes, that's, that's gonna be the word for Kozanga. Variance, variance, high variance pitcher. Yes, mercurial, mercurial. Yeah, yeah that, that, that too. SAT he, word. He is a mercurial guy. Yeah, like, just from like talking to him a little bit. And then in the bullpen, obviously we have to fill the yeah, Edwin Diaz yeah. sized hole, which is unfortunate because it was really nice in the ninth inning every game that we were winning that it was over and Not no think about no one even put the ball in play. It was you walked or you struck out. That was kind of what it was. That being said, though, we did make moves. We did make improvements to this bullpen. Getting a guy like David Robertson, who has that New York closer experience. And just ninth inning experience in general. Yeah. Having ninth inning experience is really important. Again, we always say things like you can pitch any inning, get the three outs. Yes. But there is something, the mental aspect of pitching 100%. a ninth inning. And the reporters have been asking David Robertson a lot about that. Everyone's been asking David Robertson. He's like, I have the experience there. They're going to pitch wherever they need me. It does feel like there is momentum towards him having maybe a possibly larger share of the ninth inning role heading yep. into the season. Fantasy baseball, the first Fab run ran this weekend. The uh, you know some of the high stakes league, NFBC, the main event. David Robertson was going for 30 percent of people's wow. full season budgets just okay. to get those saves on deck. So it does seem like there there are there is a thought out there that he is going to be more more of a closer. Hundred percent. We're not gonna call anyone a closer. We got, no, these are all weapons. Yes. Yeah. I mean, in a perfect bullpen, you have no closers. No. That's really how you you know uh, kind of operate here. Adam Adovino as well could be getting some of those innings too late Mark in the Marks. game. Yeah, Mark Marks. Uh, Adam Adovino late in the games as well. We saw him last year get some saves mm-hmm. just in days when Edwin Diaz needed a day off. As long as he's coming into Kid Cudi again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think that. Hopefully, I mean, him. maybe. Maybe I mean, I it, it is a new yeah, year. Yeah, they can change all that. Oh, stuff. that's that's an old school Kid Cudi. That's yeah. a deep cut of Kid Cudi. That's not even one of the popular ones. So when we asked him last. Last year's favorite music, I think, said lo-fi. So yeah, you can't walk in with that no. <laughs> to a high-pressure situation. You know what? I guess I probably should just never expect anything. Like, to, like never expect the same from Adam Adovino. Yeah, he's he's no. a funky dude, and we put out that Drew Smith interview, who's another guy who's going to be in the bullpen, and he yep. talked about how much Adam Adovino has helped him out with his slider and just like how Adovino's a veteran. He's got the experience, and that's something that this bullpen for sure has, which yeah. is something that usually a lot of bullpens don't in Major League Baseball. You it's don't true. have the experience, and I think that's a huge, huge plus for the Mets. Adam Adovino, Drew Smith even, is now a veteran, which feels crazy to say that Drew Chains is, but he's like 30 years old. Brooks Raley's got the experience. Tommy Hunter, our boy, so super happy that team, Tommy baby. made it. Tommy, High five Tommy for Tommy. Hunter. He's just one of the nicest guys ever, and he had Drew a great spring. He's a beast. Uh, like, there's a lot of experience in this bullpen. So while you can feel shaky that Edwin Diaz isn't here, I think that's completely fair and justified. I th- they're going to be okay. Yeah. It's still baseball at the end of the day. I mean, it is real. Like, you lost the best closer in baseball. Like, yes. this bullpen went from being one of the five best in baseball to now middle of the road. Yeah. And you know what? 
If, 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 if a Mets fan is going to blow their top over middle-of-the-road <laughs> yeah. bullpen, that just shows how far we've come as an organization, yeah. as a fan base. I mean, Jerry Sermillion in 2015 didn't even start the year as a closer. No, so. Bobby Carlisle got the first save that yeah. year. came out of nowhere. Like, just John's favorite stat. Yeah, literally. But, like, again, so much more can develop by this bullpen. Brooks rarely could walk out and just be completely lights out. Yeah. Like, he can wind up being, like, one of the most high-leverage relievers, get a dozen saves. BMDO, Bryce Montesteoka, whenever he comes back. I mean, that dude's got fireball stuff. Your the, boy, Jeff the, Brigham, the Brigham Brigade. We're, I know. we're getting it ready. Got sent down. No, but. it's okay. He had the options. We knew this was an op- yes. this was a potential. He was also being stretched out a little bit towards the end of spring. Talked yeah. about that last episode. So we don't, we don't really know the role Jeff Brigham's going to fill yet. No, and honestly, not really that important right now. No, and not really that important right now. We got Steven Ridings, picked up a little injury. Sam Coonrod. Like, we have a lot of guys who are going to filter into this bullpen. Say it with us, guys. Depth. <laughs> depth, depth, depth. We absolutely love it. And I feel like this is a perfect way for us to segue right into the games that do matter. Oh, you got bef- something? I think before we segue in, we should just talk about, you know, a little, get people preview for the content that's going to be rolling out okay, next few sure. weeks. Okay, sure. Yeah, hit us, hit us. We, we've spent the entire day to the field today. We recorded the estimate culmination, the final. We can't reveal to you guys who won yet, but one of us, between Mark and I, is going to be wearing a tuxedo on opening day. So make sure you find whoever it is and you take lots of pictures and post them on yeah. social media because it's going to be it's gonna be awesome. It's, it's also going to be potential for possibly some kind of you know episode that we're going to be recording on opening day at the stadium, maybe some content, maybe some stuff with the seven line, maybe some special guests. We're not really sure exactly yet. We're going to work those kinks out after this episode today, but that's going to be a big content. We're also today helping us with the estimate was Matt Frivola, UFC fighter, Long Island legend, massive Mets fan, fighting in the octagon at the Prudential Center. May 6th or May 8th? May 6th. May 8th. May 6th. UFC 288, May 6th. UFC 288. So keep an eye out for that. Great interview with him. It's going to be coming out soon. We just, we're just friends with him now, so we're going to see him at the ballpark, hopefully. Cool kind of be. We're going to be rolling around with somebody who can, you know. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Have our backs. Let's uh, let's get ready to roll off, break off the rust. It's the first series preview of the season. Mm -hmm. Opening day is here. Mets versus Marlins in Miami. Shout out to Florida Mark. We miss you. Yeah, Florida Mark. Spent Florida. like a month in Florida, which yeah, is kind of crazy. You didn't even see it. Florida Mark was born this, yeah. this year. Between him going, hanging out with family, us going to spring training, and him spending two full weeks at WBC, Mark is officially a Florida man. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to be a Florida man for yeah. sure. I think I'm going to be a snowbird. <laughs> uh, next January, I think, going to be spending probably all my time somewhere warm. I, I love the warmth. And you know what? I'm glad the Mets are starting in the warmth, too, yeah. in an indoor-controlled place, Lone Depot Park. My review, it's fine. It's completely <laughs> fine. I don't know. It's whatever. I mean, World Baseball Classic can be a very different vibe. They had some cool food. It's got to suck for Marlins games. If it's yeah. fine for like the, mo- the most exciting games they're ever going to have, it's going to suck for Marlins games. But you know what? That's fine. Don't care. Because I care about what's going on on the field. Yes. Max Scherzer for Sandy Alcantara. 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 We're trying Alcantara. to really pronounce his name right uh, for opening day. Love that matchup. It's just going to be, you know, uh, I don't want to say like... Uh, I don't know what the right word is, but you're having like... It's a clash of the titans. Yeah, a future, a future Hall of Famer versus a guy who's like uh, won the Cy Young Award last year is on a path to get to a spot. These are two of the best pitchers in all of baseball. 100%. It's like it's very clear to know that. And the fact, we're going to be down there, first game of the year, just the opportunity. Sometimes when you play not as good of a team on opening day, and the Marlins are an okay team right now. They have they're going to be pesky. Roster. We're going to walk through this roster in a actually, second. But I actually think they're going to stink, but they're going to be pesky. There, there's, there's something that you, you lose some of the luster of opening day when there's a pitcher on the mound that's you know not an ace. Yes. But the fact that we're getting that, we're getting an ace off right there, 
It's really exciting. And Sandy Alcantara's Alcantara. Alcantara. Alcantara's uh, first like coming out of like being a great starting pitcher was against the Mets yeah. in that uh, <laughs> all way back September yeah. about 2019 that was yeah I don't really want to that was when I graduated I was actually coming back from the University of South Carolina after I graduated and mm-hmm. I was listening to it on the radio and I guys I was screaming a little bit a little upset about that one so it's funny my when I was leaving Ohio State I stayed last year but my, when I was driving back it was you'll hate this it was the Robinson Cano three home run oh, game oh god that was the game that was going on when I was driving home I had a car full of stuff coming straight down the Pennsylvania turnpike and Howie Cohen Howie Rose was freaking out and have disdain for him yet that's when he yeah, was, like, still played yeah it was, we had to try was that, was the, that was the first year we we're giving it a shot but yeah whatever all right then we that's got Peterson doing. game two yep. who's he going up against for the Marlins it was Jesus Lazardo. Jesus Lazardo. It's got some really cool stuff, but he just doesn't really find the strike zone often. You got anything else on him? Um, it's good that curveball slider is going to be nuts. He goes high velocity. Yeah. His Luis though is like the perfect guy to possibly break out this year because he was set to break out in 2020 and he got he got COVID pretty bad and that sucked. And then he got traded right. That was in that was 2021. Yeah, when he got for Starling Marte for Starling Marte. Interesting. And then he got it's kind of hard to you know get your footing with a new team. He's battled some injuries here and there, but like he everything is kind of lining up for Jesus Luis though to have have a real season this year hopefully we derail that a little no, bit for in sure the first and start in terms of a lineup that has a chance to get them we see a lot of pitches we make a lot of contact it's kind of the opposite of the way Jesus Zarda wants to go about the game so for sure happy about that Justin Verlander going in game three up against Edward Ed- Edward Cabrera Edward Cabrera Edward Cabrera Ed- oh it's Edward Edward Cabrera really he yes. wants that to be known yes okay Edward Cabrera did not know that yes um I'm not a huge Edward Cab- Edward Cabrera guy I, I, it's like he, he has like the foundation of being a really tremendous starting pitcher. He yeah. has high velocity. He has one of the most unique pitches in baseball. His changeup. Yeah. That is like ninety three miles an yeah, it's hour. Crazy. It's 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 kind of like one of these like in between things where it's not really a pitch that has a thing that we know to say about, but it's like it is technically a changeup. He's kind of Lizardo esque in that like you don't really know what you're gonna get, but it could be good. But he doesn't have the breaking ball. That's I fair. would say okay. Eduardo Cabrera has much better command than Jesus Lizardo, but Jesus Lizardo has that breaking ball that puts him over the top. Okay. If Eduardo Cabrera just walks out with a slider, then yeah, then, then we're then, scared a little then, bit. Then we're looking at a guy who can really get some people out. But MLB the show players yeah. are terrified. He's, he's also gonna make his first start of the year against Justin Verlander. Yeah. Which that's, that's 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 a crappy place to start the year, but we're okay with that and. Man, we got we got a lot to watch in the series. This is gonna be a four game series as well. We're starting Thursday, ending Sunday, playing yep. every day in between. So it's good. last game's gonna be Kodai Sanga. Marlins have not announced yet. Based on their spring cadence, either gonna be Trevor Rogers or Braxton Garrett. From don't what it know. seems like, or Johnny Cueto yeah. maybe. Or Johnny Cueto. They're all in the rotation. We don't know who's gonna be yet. So that's gonna be someone there. But lots lots to watch with these guys opening weekend. We're gonna have David Peterson's gonna be very interesting to me. I think yeah. all Mets fans should be very aware of Peterson. How he's mixing his pitches, sinkers and fastballs sliders and change-ups, and then just how many curveballs he's throwing, based on how many he's throwing in the spring, how many he goes feels comfortable with once the regular season starts. Every, sing, every single fantasy thing that I'm doing this year, I'm grabbing David Peterson. Oh, yeah, I just, this, is, this is the big year yeah. for David. We got the Senga sweeper. What's the fastball look like mm-hmm. in a game with a little bit more you know, time underneath his belt? Oh, yeah. Sawing Marte's health is obviously yes. something that is big super one. important. We saw how good they were with him in the lineup. He's, mm-hmm. just, he's a spark plug. The Definitely. dude just gives you a lot of energy at the top of the order. Aggressive. The base running, of course, is really important. And the bullpen, too. That's it's a big thing to keep an eye out for. Yeah, it's going to be very cool this opening weekend. We're going to learn so much about every team in baseball, and now we're talking about the Mets. Like, who is going to be used when and why? Yep. Like, the first big crazy situation, two men on, seventh inning. Who comes in? Bucks management of the bullpen, too. Like, yeah, 100%, seeing, like, yeah. who, who he goes to. Maybe he changes it up. Maybe it's more of a fluid thing. That's- Absolutely. Like, the whether or not Brooks Raley's used as a guy to get lefties out or as a guy who's like a high leverage option. Just yes. these little tiny little points of things we love. Yeah, this is, we're going to learn so much this weekend about how the Mets are going to run this basically this bullpen for months on end. Like yeah. this is going to be so cool to get this information. Some new Marlins for you guys to keep an eye out for because, of course, it's the first time we're playing this year. They got some new names in. That pesky, I'll, I won't curse so Vito doesn't have to 
bleep it, but that rat, Gene Segura, has <laughs> yeah. found his way to stay in the National League East still. The Marlins signed like seven second basemen. Gene Segura is one of them. He's going to be in the lineup. <laughs> Luis Arise is another. He's going to be a rat for sure. He already De- kind of was. Definitely bittersweet because he was traded for Pablo Lopez, who yeah. the Mets made a habit of just Crush. annihilating. And he's a good pitcher. <laughs> and he's we really good them. otherwise. Yeah. And we crushed him. But Pablo Lopez had like a 3-2 ERA if he didn't play the Mets every yeah, year. But his career ERA is like around 3-4 if he never played the Mets. Yeah. Also, Luis Arise coming in as the batting champs. We're going to have two batting champs facing yes. off. Well, the American series. League. Yeah, the yeah, league no yeah. one cares about. Fake you know? league. Yeah, fake league. He also had a weird word ba- world baseball classic for a lot of power struck out a lot which yes. is very bizarre for Luis Arise be kind of cool if that was just an adjustment he can make I guess I don't know I'd love him to just be bad that'd yeah, be cool no, too that'd be, yeah, that'd sure. be cool I'm too I'm talking about for like, literally his own sake as a player because we it's gonna be a funny thing with the Marlins here we're playing the Marlins seven times in a week and a half and then you guys can say goodbye to the Marlins until the end of the summer yeah until football season <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the schedules are so weird Yuli Gurriel might make the team I don't think that's been announced yet but he would also be another guy who's a rat yeah if you guys are noticing a trend of all the players the Marlins acquired this year a lot of contact high contact not a lot of power just gonna be pesky I think that's gonna be the the word we use for the Marlins all year they're pesky 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 and then AJ Puck and Johnny Cueto. Yeah, it's crazy. Weird, weird offseason for the Marlins. Johnny, I don't think there's any more two different pitchers in baseball than AJ Puck and Johnny Cueto. <laughs> Very different. Although, like, you AJ, know, AJ Puck's like a six foot seven string bean who just does crazy stuff, never gets hurt. Johnny Cueto just lobs him in. He never, never gets hurt. Never gets hurt. I think yeah. AJ Puck never gets hurt. He always, always gets, gets hurt. hurt. Can't stay healthy. And Jazz Chips was back too. I think yeah, that's also, a big thing. Also, talking about Jazz Chips, been playing the outfield. Been play center field. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Never he's played center field in his life before. Premier of an athlete, you just walk out there in center field. Yeah, he he's definitely a, a fun player. He's a fan of my YouTube channel, apparently. Yeah. Well, he, yeah. he called me out for ranking him too low. We'll in, see how that in plays. In DMs. Yeah, in my DMs. So maybe get to meet Jazz at some point this year. Or just next week, because afterwards, not until September. That's true, yeah. <laughs> oh Hopefully goodness. we can make that connection. God, that's so crazy, these schedules. I don't know, guys. We got the Marlins series coming up here. Baseball. Opening day. Baseball is back. <laughs> Let me get one more time before. Actually, I'll probably say it in the next episode, too. I'll be like, baseball's back, guys. How great is this? Yeah. But baseball is back. Opening day is here Thursday night, right? Thursday night? No, four. Oh, four. Four o'clock. I love yeah, a four nice, o'clock nice spot. Really oh, good. That's amazing. I know. Get some dinner afterwards. Imagine, wow. imagine people have to work. How great that is. <laughs> That'd be amazing <laughs> that you can watch that entire game. It's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Oh, wait. That oh. reminds me, actually. Before before we leave, Amazing Day happened this Saturday. Yes. I got a great testimonial for Amazing Day from a fan, follows on Instagram. Just a super excited fan. I want to read it out. I want to shout him out. Guy's name and everything because it's just cool that a lot of work went into Amazing Day. Big hit, apparently. Shout out Vito. Shout, I'm not gonna shout out John, but I'll acknowledge John. <laughs> they were all there, they were working, they were doing great. And even Vito said there were a lot of people very excited about Amazing Day out, out in the town. So let me pull it up right now. Steven Blanco. That if that's your real name, sick. Cool name. I'm assuming it's not, but it's kind of a cool nickname, Steven Blanco. But he said, I'm so glad they introduced it. I had loads of fun. I didn't decide to go to the concerts, but access to things like the Met and the other museums was awesome. <laughs> the merch trucks were amazing. I thought it was a success, and I hope they bring it back next year. There you go. That, good, that's all we can ask for. Good people to tell. We can get in the Mets ears, maybe, and uh, yeah. make sure this thing continues. I think it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening to the season preview for the Mets on the Mets Up podcast. If you like what you're seeing here, make sure you follow us on our social media, at Mets Up, M-E-T-S-D-U-P, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. A lot of content this year. The New York Mets YouTube channel, that's where you can find the video version of this. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review. Make sure you download and subscribe. It really does help us out. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. Follow me at Draftneck Mark. Make sure if you're here, if you here on opening day, you come say hi to us. We'd love to hang out with you guys. Love to take pictures, whatever you guys want to do. Just talk baseball even. That will be great. Take a picture with whoever's wearing the tuxedo. The estimate is done. Who's going to be? You guys will find out soon enough. Thank you guys, and we'll see you on opening day. Peace out. Peace out. See you guys next time.